for the grandkids, Malachi and Maya, to come over to our house on Friday night and spend the night. Not every Friday night, but they happened to do it this last Friday night. So we were looking for Christmas movies to watch. And I'm figuring, you know, they want to watch, you know, Santa Claus Chronicles 2 or 3 or whatever version of Santa Claus Chronicles there is out there. Uh, but we really were having trouble finding one. They'd seen a lot of them. And so finally I suggested, how about Charlie Brown Christmas? And uh, they said, who's Charlie Brown? <laughs> and, I, and I said, you, you'll like it. Just, you know, just, just watch it. You'll like it. So I turn it on, and immediately Malachi sees that it's an older film, and he's going like, boo, boo. <laughs> and I said, just hold on a minute. Watch through a little bit of it, and maybe, maybe you'll like it. So... Pretty soon it got quiet. He wasn't saying boo quite as often, although every, you know, he'd do that every often, so often. And uh, so it's only about 30 minutes. I didn't realize it was only 30 minutes. So we got to the end of it. Hadn't heard anything from him for a long time. And I said, well, Malachi, what'd you think? Too short. <laughs> so he learned, he learned to like it. <laughs> But let's go ahead and read uh, this scripture that we have here today. And let's go ahead and stand, uh, read, read these verses, God's word, God's record of Jesus coming to this earth. And are we so fortunate to be able to have this record with us today? In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration where Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her first son, and scrapped and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were feared, filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to the highest, to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen it had been told by them. 
been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have to kind of slow things down, to look at this scripture, but also to look at the big difference that Jesus makes in our life and in our world today. Just a tremendous difference. And so we pray that you would reveal things to our eyes that we would not otherwise see, that you would guide and direct us as we go through this, so that we might ourselves become a people who would glorify your name and glorify you by our actions. And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. So if you look at the Bible, there's many, many great stories. Uh, we could pick out so many to talk about today. Obviously, obviously it's Christmas time, but the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's a great story. The story of Jesus coming to this earth is another great story. But the good thing about the Bible is that all of these stories don't have to be separate. They all blend together, right? So even the stories back about Abraham and Moses and Jacob and Esau, all of those stories blend into one great story that talks about God's love for his people and how he will bring those people back into a relationship with himself. And so this is a great story and we can say Merry Christmas today because we're here to celebrate, celebrate Christmas and uh, that's what Christmas is. It's a celebration of the birth of our Savior. On the other hand, we've had a difficult year, right? <laughs> we have had a difficult year. Many people say this has been the most difficult year that we've had for, for many, many, many years. And so some people might say, well, how can we even have a Merry Christmas? After all, many of our stores are closed. Many of our mouths are closed as we wear masks to various different places. Many of our restaurants are closed. And in fact, much of our nation is closed down right now because of the COVID virus. Some of the stores are closed down because of rioting that happened earlier in the year. And so how can we have a Merry Christmas? Well, just like an army who's under attack and the cavalry comes over the hill to save them, Jesus is coming and going to Calvary to save us, amen? He's going to Calvary to save us. He's not coming without a purpose. He is coming with a purpose. And that purpose, overall purpose, is to die on the cross for our sins. And so I wanted to emphasize this today. This is the title of the sermon. In fact, when things look bad, Jesus makes it better. And I believe next year is going to be better. <laughs> I think it is going to be better, not because of some wish, but because of the way that God is, the way that Jesus Christ is. And so, before Jesus, I want you to see, and I'm going to be talking about this, many things were closed. And by closed, I mean many things were not just happening the way the people thought they should have happened. And they, some things just looked like they were impossible to happen. And so let me give you some examples of, of what I meant, but I want you to keep in mind these two terms. Before Jesus, things were closed. After Jesus, things were opened. First of all, there was a closed heaven. And by that I mean for almost four, four or 500 years, there had been no prophecy or word from God. 
people had gone for 400 years and they'd not heard a word from God. They had been used to having prophets speak to them. And so all during the time of the kings and after the time of the kings, during the time of the Babylonian empire, there was always prophets speaking to the people of Israel and to the people of Judah. But for 400 years, heaven had been shut up. It was closed. In fact, the last words that we have from Malachi give kind of a uh, promising scene, but also a uh, scenario, but also uh, a very serious scenario. Let me read those, and you don't have to turn there. But these are, this is, these are from the last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament before Jesus came. And it says, it says For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children in the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of destruction. So in this, in this chapter, we get a lot of different things, right? We see the wicked being judged. We see those who claim God as their God being rewarded. And in fact, it says that he's going to send Elijah the prophet again. Well, we know who Elijah the prophet ended up being, right? John the Baptist. This was fulfilled when John the Baptist come. But I can imagine the people of Israel during this time of 400 years thinking, has God abandoned us? Is this word in Malachi ever going to come true? Is God somehow angry with us and that's why he's not speaking? Does he still love us as the people of Israel? Should we even expect this Elijah to come? And of course the answer is yes. They should continue to expect Elijah to come. He did. Jesus said this. He said, he will go before him in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And so, yes, John the Baptist is to be expected by the Jewish people at this time. The problem is, is that there's something else that's closed. Elizabeth's womb was closed. You remember that? Her, her womb was closed. They were both righteous people, her and Zechariah, her husband Zechariah. But they were both advanced in age, and her womb was barren. And so how could the Elijah come? How could John the Baptist come since the womb was closed? And then Zechariah, on the other hand, he had a closed mind and ended up having a closed mouth, right? So Zechariah, if you don't know much about Zechariah, he was a priest, and he had the privilege. I mean, I can't even imagine this would have been such a great privilege. 
but he had the privilege of going into the holy place and offering uh, incense for the people. So if you don't know much about the temple, what that looks like, there's an outer uh, court for the Gentiles. There's an area for the brazen laver, but then there's the building part, which is divided basically uh, two-thirds in the front and one-third in the back. But the first two-thirds was called the holy place. Then there was a veil, right? And then there was the Holy of Holies, where the Ark, um, the, uh, Ark of the Covenant was at. And so he got to go not into the most inner place, the Holy of Holies, but the next most holy place, the Holy, the holy Place, to offer. And that's where he had the opportunity to come into contact with an angel. And the angel said, you are going to have a son. And he wasn't having any of it. I wrote down here, Ze Zechariah, he was in disbelief. He said, how could we have a son this late in our life? And so the angel said, you're not going to speak anymore until this baby is delivered. So we have uh, heaven that is closed. We have Elizabeth that has a closed womb. We have Zechariah who has a closed mind and now a closed mouth. And Zechariah just happens to be standing in front of this veil, which is also what? Closed. Now, the innermost sanctum, the innermost sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was and the mercy seat, that is where in the Old Testament times, the presence of God would come down and rest. And so this veil being closed is representative, is, is representative that no human can have access with God because we are sinful, right? We, can't, we cannot cross the veil. There actually was one person each year who got to go in there. That was the priest who was lucky enough, fortunate enough to go in there once a year and he must take blood to pay for the sins of the people. It's called the Day of Atonement or in Jewish speak, it's Yom Kippur. So if you've ever heard that before, it's the Day of Atonement. They could only go in there one time during the year, but otherwise this veil is closed and it symbolizes that we as unholy people cannot have personal relational contact with a holy God. So the veil was closed. And when it came time for Jesus to be born, the inn was closed. The inn was closed. In other words, it's, and I, you can kind of see someone's plan in all this, right? Can you kind of see maybe Satan's plan in all of this? All of these things being closed and then the inn being closed. It's as though he and his demons have no room for Jesus in this present world. They don't want him to come to this world. They don't want people to be saved. But Jesus is born. And think of the miracle of that. Uh, we were talking last night. Of course, my daughter-in-law, Kylie, is pregnant. Now about seven, eight months pregnant. And so we're talking about the miracle of just how birth takes place. But under these conditions, in a manger, it's even more awesome to think about that Jesus would be born here. Put on top of that, that this is the God of the universe. 
mind-blowing, right? How can the God of the universe who has no bounds, has no limits, is infinite, be born into a man? But that's clearly what the scripture tells us. It tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. We know that Jesus was God. And so he makes all of the difference in this. With Jesus, Elizabeth's womb was opened and she was able to have John the Baptist, the Elijah who was to come. With Jesus and the promise of Jesus, mouths were open. Zechariah's mouth spoke and praised God for the first time in nine months. And he said, his name will be John. And he spoke praise to God. Our mouths need to be open sometimes too, right? We should follow the example of Zechariah and not keep the gospel to ourselves, but we willing to share that. And Christmas is probably one of the best times to share. And I know all about our world and our culture, how it's, it doesn't even mention Jesus anymore. I went, like I said, we were looking through Netflix and different services through Christmas movies and none of them really had anything to say about Jesus being born. It was all about reindeer and Santa Claus and and things like that. And so uh, we need to open our mouths because it's a perfect time for us to share what actually happened on that Christmas day. And then, of course, heaven was open. God spoke for the first time in over 400 years by sending his son. And I quoted it earlier. It's John 1, 1, and then 13 and verse 14. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John 1.14 says, And the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Mount, what a description of Jesus. Full of grace and truth. We never have to compromise truth to be gracious, right? Jesus did it all the time. He was gracious, he was loving, and yet he, he spoke the truth. And so... Heaven was opened by God when he gave us Jesus and we heard from God again in the flesh. Prisons were opened. Prisons were opened. Jesus came to set the captives free from the prison of their sin. Luke chapter 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus quoting from Isaiah. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and a recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He came to deliver us from prison, from the imprisonment of sin in our life. Have you ever felt that feeling of imprisonment from, the, from sin? I have. It's an, it's an imprisonment sometimes that makes me think, I can't overcome this. I just can't deal with this. And in truth, I can't, not by myself. I do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. But I cannot do it by myself. Not only were prisons opened and people set free as they received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but graves were opened. 
Remember the story of Lazarus? I love that story. I love the story of Lazarus. Lazarus, uh, people come to Jesus and say, Lazarus, your friend is sick. He's dying. Jesus waits until he's dead. Doesn't make sense to us, does it? It makes sense because he's about to show them his glory. And so finally he goes to the tomb. And they say, you can't go in the tomb by now. He's, it's four days. He's, you know, there's going to be an odor. And Jesus just merely says, I believe, Lazarus, come out. Folks, that is a sign of how we are saved as well. That's how I was saved. Jesus said, Rob, come out of your sin and come to me. And it may not literally been in those words, but we know that feeling that says, I need to turn away from my sin and I need to turn to Jesus. And so Jesus told them, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? The question is today, do we believe that? Amen. Do we believe Jesus can say, Rob, come and bring us out of that state of spiritual death into spiritual life. And so Jesus brought Lazarus out of the day, uh, out of the grave. Jesus himself was crucified, but on the third day in the grave, he was, the grave opened up and he rose from the dead. And so we don't think, and we don't talk about Jesus in the past tense. You ever notice that? We say, Jesus is come, right? Isn't that weird? You know, when I'm a kid, I'm thinking, why do they say Jesus is come? Why don't they say Jesus has come? And we might occasionally say it that way, but we say, or why do, why do we say he is risen? Jesus is risen. It's because we understand he rose past tense, but he's alive right now. We serve a living Savior. He's alive. Also, when Jesus rose from the, the dead, the tombs were opened, and many bodies of saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Do you see the difference Jesus makes? Oh, he makes all the difference, and he'll make all the difference in your own personal life as well if you receive him as your Lord and Savior. The curtain was opened. Curtain, when Jesus was being crucified, tore from top to bottom, indicating that we could, through Christ, approach God's presence. And I love the verse, Hebrews 4.16, that says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. We can do that right now. We can do that anytime. Not because of our, our good graces, but because of Jesus and what he has done for us. Scripture was opened. Jesus opened the scripture. If you remember the road to Emmaus, Emmaus two disciples were on the road to Emmaus and they spotted someone, they began to talk to him and knew that he looked familiar, didn't realize that it was Jesus until their eyes were opened. And then Jesus told them everything in the Old Testament. I would love to have been there. He told them everything in the Old Testament that pertained to him. And that would have been awesome. But he opened scripture to us. We were talking about this Wednesday night. There's a verse that says, therefore, uh, it's a verse that says, uh, <laughs> 
for the word of the, for the word of the gospel is folly to those who are perishing. They have no spiritual insight. But with Jesus in our life and the Holy Spirit, we have spiritual insight. And then finally, we have opened our hearts and our understanding. Luke 24, 31 to 32, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. This also happened on the road to Emmaus. And then he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did our hearts not burn within us while we talked to us on the road, while we opened up the scriptures to us? So Jesus makes all the difference. And he should make all the difference in our lives today. And so as we go to our time of prayer, the, really the invitation is simple is, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Has he made that difference in your life? The way things are today, it would be very easy to be downcast about what's going on. It really would. I don't know how people who are not saved and their family members saved make it through a funeral. <laughs> we have a great hope when someone in our family passes away and they are a believer in Christ, that they will be in heaven and that we will meet them there again. But it's only through Jesus that we have that. And so I would like to go back to Hebrews 4.16 and read that in closing. And let that be our challenge. Because it says that since Jesus has opened the way, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. How do you find that? You, you simply go to God and you say, yes, I have sinned against you. That's true of every one of us in here. So we don't have to judge anyone. We don't have to point out sins in particular, but all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We were created for the glory of God. And when we sin, we fall short of that mark. That's literally what sin means. And so we understand and we come to God and we admit that we have sinned. That's called confession. We, we admit our sin before God. And then we take all of this trust that we have been placing in ourselves and we transfer that trust to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who has borne our sins, right? And all our sins were cast upon him. When we place our faith and trust in him, then we can be sure that our sins have been paid for and also forgiven. And so we turn away from our sin and we live for Jesus Christ. It's the most wonderful thing, amen? <laughs> Still out there? I know you guys well. I know that you love Jesus and this is the greatest thing. But there might be one person here who's not receive Christ as your Savior, and that would be my plea today is that you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, place your faith and trust in Him. He will give you eternal life. He will redeem you. He will forgive you, and you will be right with God. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. Comes in strange packages, maybe not the way that we would have done it by having a baby born and growing up amongst us think of all the dangers that he must have encountered and uh, and yet you were sovereignly in control of his whole life 
but you had him come as a man to serve as an example for us, but ultimately to die in our place, to die for our sin. He took our sin upon himself so that when we believe and trust in him that we can have eternal life. Help us who are Christians here to, today just be eternally grateful for that and help us to show our joy to the rest of the people around us this Christmas season. And maybe our lives will be so full of joy that someone will stop and ask us, why, why are you always so happy and joyful? And that's our opportunity. Help us to be ready to take that opportunity. And help us also to make opportunities. Help us when someone's talking about other aspects of the Christmas season that we could bring it around to the true center of Christmas, which is Jesus Christ and his birth. Help us to always be ready to give an account for what we believe. And then for those who may not know Christ, help them today to place their faith and trust in Christ. We ask all those things in his name. Amen. Amen.